Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and I'm back after a couple of weeks of taking it easy with the Rocky season over and with the postseason baseball going on, but honestly, mostly very frustrating teams with a lot of money or whatever that we're not super excited about around here and uh, was just honestly nice to take a break. In the 10 years I've been doing this, I've never really had the opportunity to take that many days off and just not think about baseball for a little while. So I appreciate the Mile High Sports crew. Easy for me to say. A little rusty, right? Haven't done the Rockies podcast in a while, but giving me an opportunity to to do that and and get right back into it here now as we're starting to get close to the offseason. A lot of things to talk about, and I figured I would begin with a big setup podcast based around you know, the article that I did the other day for milehighsports.com, basically giving us a where are we right this moment reminder, right, of what the roster looks like, or, or rather what it will look like on opening day, presuming nothing happens, which is where you have to start, right? There's going to be some things that happen, but you start at the baseline, considering just exactly where the roster is now, where are we? And then there's a, a bunch of questions, and I actually want to start with that because I threw that out there on Twitter and I figured this would be a good place to figure where the fan base is focused right now. What are the most prescient questions for all of you? What's on the the tip of your tongue, the top of your mind? What are you most concerned about? And I figured I would just go through some of these and that would help kind of shape the conversation of where we are now and what we can talk about moving forward. So uh, one of the, the first questions, in fact, does talk about where we are moving forward. And it comes from Tim asking about the starting rotation. And and this really is where the conversations are going to need to start for the Colorado Rockies in their front office this offseason. Tim asks, is there a realistic road forward with this rotation? And the AAA guys, I guess, he says. Or is it time to burn the staff down and start over? And, you know, this is interesting because I've talked about this rotation a lot, but I don't know that I've ever had it put to me quite this way, and so I've never considered it quite this way. I've focused on what I think the Rockies are going to try to do, which is salvage this thing and how they might go about doing that. Your question about burning it down and starting over is an intriguing one because they really are stuck in the middle there, right? Especially if Marquez and Freeland aren't going to get it back because it all it all starts there. But I will say I don't know exactly the path forward for doing that. So let's consider for a moment, what does that look like even, right? Trading Marquez and Freeland right now doesn't really make sense because they're both at kind of career lows, both in terms of their production and their value. Those things go hand in hand, right? There's nobody else on the roster who from a pitching standpoint, you feel like you're going to get maybe Daniel Bard, I guess, but you're certainly not getting a ton out of those guys in a trade, and it's proven over the years to be very difficult to get even league average pitching in here, right? So my theory has always been, whether it's through your own system or through trading for guys out of other systems or trades or free agency, whatever it is, they definitely need new arms. And that was the, the response I gave you on Twitter, right? Was that they, they're going to need more guys. But I think that they're going to need... Uh, you know, a, a myriad of, of things to go right for them one way or the other. So you may as well stick with the handful of things that you know have worked. And it has worked through Freeland and Marquez before. 
The rest of this stuff really is a big, gigantic question mark toss-up that the Rockies are going to have to decide, you know, how much do they really think Austin Gomber can help them out here? What is the future of Peter Lambert and Ryan Rollison? Can they get anything out of guys like Jose Urania or Denelson Lamette? Or is Lamette just a reliever now? You know, so many things going on there. But the long and short of it is they need more arms. And whether and I, and I don't think you can spend money on proven aces. So I think that means going out and getting diamond in the rough guys. Uh, you know, maybe some veterans who who you might be able to. You know, the Chad Cool, but a little bit better than that. You know, <laughs> preferably some of those, right? But I don't think you're you're going to go out and get, uh, you know, the the next Jacob Degrom on the free agent market. I think, you know, yeah, a lot of that is going to have to come from internal candidates. And whether that's Marquez and Freeland getting it back and pitching to the absolute utmost of their capabilities, or if it's a bit of a surprise performance from Ryan Feltner, or I mentioned Lambert and Rollison, you could throw in maybe like Carl Kaufman into that. But yeah, it's that's why they need more of those guys. Remember Jorge De La Rosa, when he came to the organization, wasn't considered to be a future ace, but he turned into a great pitcher. A Tyler Chatwood type even, not a guy who had you know tremendous career here, but a couple of really good years. They, they need a few of those. And so that's what I think they should be focused on. Um, Trevor asked me about Dick Monfort's letter, which I did an entire podcast on several weeks ago. So I understand if uh, you happen to miss it, but uh, so I won't go over that too much. You know, my quick answer on Twitter was to say, essentially, he said all of the right things, but it's taken him so long to say them, and he still said it in a weird way, so he wasn't going to win people over. But the in the long run, he's on, the only way you're going to win people over is they have a good offseason and they win some games next year. Then they'll start to win back some fans. The, the, I, don't, I really think there was a limited amount of goodwill he was going to win over with a letter to the season ticket holders. It's just funny how he seems to almost always say something that pisses people off. Um, this was an interesting one that, that prompted a little bit of back and forth on Twitter. Spencer asked, do we have anyone in the organization who can be a fast power hitting center fielder? Or do we sacrifice hitting for speed, playing either Damps, uh, Damson, <laughs> Damson or Haza? I'm sorry, Hampson or Daza, uh, you know, someone like that. And this is a question that the Rockies have talked a little bit about publicly, actually saying that they'd really like to find themselves a quality center fielder, leadoff hitter type of guy, which is interesting because Jonathan Daza just had a pretty good season, but obviously he doesn't hit for power, right? Like, like you talked about. Uh, in the question here from Spencer. And so they have kind of said that, and, and that's made me think that, oh, are they in on this whole Brandon Nimmo thing? And Nimmo has some local connections and grew up a Rockies fan and all of that stuff. So there's some interesting possibilities there. In my quote tweet answer, as I was throwing it out there, I mentioned that this is fascinating because Zach Veen is their top prospect and he has this profile. Now, a few people, <laughs> uh, rightfully, uh, fair enough, correcting me to say that Veen hasn't played any center field in the Rockies 
professional ranks, right? He he was a center fielder when he was drafted, but he's played only in the corners. That's for a number of reasons, not the least of which is they're trying to keep some of the wear and tear off of his legs. This guy is basically the golden goose in their minor league system right now, right? And the last couple of guys who had this much prospect hype around them were David Dahl and Brendan Rogers, both of whom really struggled with the injury thing, right? So it is true that Zach Veen hasn't played center field. And it may well be true that in general, the Rockies would like to keep him away from that spot. You know, this is something I've written about and talked a lot about with guys like Charlie Blackman and Carlos Gonzalez about the wear and tear that playing center field, especially at Coors, takes on your body. It's a lot of ground to cover. It's a lot of running back and forth. Even Charlie Blackman told me, like, even the jogging back and forth from the dugout just out to the position sometimes over the course of a season can be tough. And that's why the Rockies are kind of stuck Veen out there and right, despite the fact that his profile and ability means that he can play center field. Much like Carlos Gonzalez, right? It's a very similar situation. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's got exceptional speed. He's got a really good arm and he can play center field. The question is whether or not it's the right value for your club to put him there. Wouldn't you rather him be able to maximize the speed and power and ability on the offensive side of the ball and not have the defense and the just day-to-day operations of playing center field? You know, every time you've got to run to back up a base, stuff like that. It's just many more times where you get involved in the play in center. And so... Veen is an interesting potential answer to this question, maybe early in his career, because of the way the Rockies roster is currently set up. If you've got a healthy Chris Bryant in left, you've got a quite a few guys, actually, who are interesting and can play right field. As you're currently constituted, if C.J. Crone is at first, or if you trade him and Eluharos Montero is at first, you've got Michael Tolia in right field, and you want to give him his opportunities as well. There are a few other sort of corner outfielders coming up through the system as well. So other than Benny Montgomery, who's younger than and further away than Zach Veen, they don't have a for sure, for sure center fielder who's also a top prospect, right? So it'll be interesting to see if they decide to stick to this philosophy with Veen and leave him in the corners because that's where they feel like they can get the most out of him. Or if when he gets to the bigs, they say at least for a year or two, because it would make the most sense. Now, this is this is the other big factor here. What is his timetable? Because it keeps getting accelerated and accelerated and accelerated. That he made the jump from high A to double A this year and continued to be fantastic at double A. Then they send him to the fall league. He's been fantastic in the fall league. He's doing ridiculous things in terms of the stolen bases. I'll get in. I'm going to do a whole show on fall league stats. So I'm not going to do that right now uh, as I'm just doing these questions. But if he shows up to spring training next year and is phenomenal, phenomenal, could Zach Veen make the opening day 2023 roster? That would be a stretch. But folks, he's... He's a lot closer than I, I I think it's before September of next year. And honestly, that is no longer completely absurd. The idea that he would even make the opening day roster. And if he does, the place where it most makes sense based on everything else that you have. Again, I'm not assuming any, you know, a bunch of trades and stuff. Just the roster as it is, is that Daza does become a very quality 
fourth outfielder, contact hitting, good defender, base runner, good guy to have on your bench, but he moves to the bench. Zach Veen would take place, take over in center field, right? Because Tolia and Bryant aren't going to play center field. And if you got to get Veen into the lineup, that's the place to put him. So that's why I talked about it, even though I know he hasn't played there in the minors yet, because if you're trying to accelerate this thing. And the Rockies are, and I very much got the feeling from Bill Schmidt's conversation with us at the end of the year, trying to compete as soon as next year. Maybe you go out and you sign Brandon Nimmo, and that would then allow you to, yeah, leave Veen in the corners, and then you're going to have to do some other shuffling around with Crone or Tolia or Montero or whatever, and, and you'll figure that out. And that's fine. If they go out and sign Nimmo, that's a different kind. Then, then they have their center fielder, their capable defender, and their leadoff hitter with his big on-base numbers, right? Is that the best use of their money? We'll have that conversation another time. But short of signing Nimmo, the best way to get star talent in center field, at least in the next couple of years and then, and then if Benny Montgomery pans out you know you can say hey we did it while you were young but let's get him in the corner as soon as possible and have Montgomery take over in center and maybe by then Bryant is a DH or a first baseman or whatever right but for right in these next two years I hope they very seriously consider Zach Veen and his remarkable athleticism and his speed and again, to get those power numbers out of that spot, if you've got that many guys, if I mean, a Bryant-Veen-Tolia outfield is a lot of power potential. Of course, we need to see it from Veen and Tolia, but that's certainly more exciting than what the Rockies have had out there for the last couple of years, right? So the center field position is very much going to decide how a lot of the rest of this goes. If they go out and get that center fielder leadoff man they've been talking about in free agency, that basically tells you that, yeah, Zach Veen's going to be a corner guy in the future, which means who knows what for Tolia. Probably first base eventually, you know, but then does that mean trading Crone or is it one more year you're playing it out? But the sooner Veen gets there, the sooner he's going to need those at-bats because he looks like uh, one of those guys. Right? There's a reason they were comparing this guy to Cody Bellinger when he was drafted. So, All right, spent a little bit of time on that question. All right, staying in that category of prospects, Josh asked me which have the highest chance at becoming stars or cornerstones. I think Veen and Tovar are the guys. I really like what Tolia's going, uh, got going on. I think he has an opportunity to be one of those players you really, really like. You know, I, I think the fact that he strikes out a ton... And and I don't see that really going anywhere. I think that's going to limit his ability to be a a superstar, maybe make a bunch of all star games. But his remarkable defensive ability, and I I, I think he's going to draw his walks. So I I don't think he'll become what happened to Sam Hilliard. Though it could go that way as well with Tolia. There there's more of that possibility. I think. But I could see him just becoming a regular and and a really fun player to have around that the guys like and when he really gets into one, he really gets into one, right? But Tovar, I think, is ready. I think seeing, you know, that that glimpse of him that we did at the end of the season and just how not overwhelmed he looked, how into it he he clearly was. Uh, he wasn't scared in his first first two pitches he saw he produced base hits right and he just ready to go not scared of the game not scared to play his game um obviously there's going to be adjustments back and forth there always are with young players but he looked very capable both on defense and in the box and 
You know, there have been a lot of guys who've come up over the years. For example, Trevor Story immediately looked comfortable at the plate, right? Remember, he hit two home runs in his debut in Arizona. But that whole first year was kind of an adventure for him on defense. A lot of people don't remember that as well. We we think of him as this great defender, and he, he was. And in fact, he was in the minors also. He always had that ability. But his first year in the bigs, there was a lot of shaky defense, and there was a lot of getting used to the the speed of the game and and maybe not being quite ready for certain footwork things around the bag, turning certain double plays and and so on. But he evolved into a gold glove caliber defender at the major league level. Tovar, you know, even though it was just a couple of weeks, uh, about a month really, I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any of the iffiness. There were one or two plays where I was like, ah, I think he can make that play and he didn't. But it's not the same as like, oh, a little bit of a rookie error there or a little bit of a mistake because he was shaking. Again, at bats where you go, you know, how many three-pitch strikeouts did he have? I think he had a couple of them in there, right? But more of his, most of his at bats were competitive. How many times was he taking a swing, a big wild swing at a pitch way out of the zone for an aggressive hitter? Not that often, right? And those were the kinds of things that to me, you know, on the flip side, Brendan Rodgers came up and immediately looked comfortable on the defensive side of the ball, but obviously struggled for those first like 110 plate appearances, right? Really just didn't look like he he was sure he belonged at the big league level. And then he sank into it. Now he looks like he does. Tovar on both sides already looks like he belongs. So now it's about, can you take it to that next level. Can you realize your full potential? Is he going to be one of those rookie of the year type guys? And I think he is. I think he's going to be a rookie of the year candidate next year. I think he's going to be fantastic defensively and very, very good offensively. You know, I don't know that we should expect the big power numbers that he was starting to show off over the last two years to to show up at the big league level. Uh, And and Coors Field, oddly enough, it's a big park and and it's, you know, right-handed hitters. Uh, if he's going to pull the ball into that gap, I, the the left center field gap is the toughest place to hit the ball out of the park there for a right-handed hitter, but he's got good speed, so he's going to end up with a lot of extra base hits, maybe a few triples by hitting the ball into that gap, so it's going to be really interesting. But I, I think we're in for a real special treat with Tovar, and once Veen arrives, uh, and if Tolia manages to, to pan out, they've got a remar- remarkable group of athletes there that are just going to be fun, fun to watch. Uh, Ryan comes in and says uh, he's just hoping that uh, his boy Connor Joe can come back and, and be productive next year. And I respond, you know, it's going to be a tough and interesting road for Joe. This one is interesting because he is, he's a valuable player at weird things. <laughs> he's Basically, his best ability is his on-base ability. He takes a good at-bat. He draws a lot of walks. He can hit a mistake uh, for some pop, so that's why he, he's able to draw some walks, but he didn't finish the season strong, and he really didn't manage to hit for a lot of power. His defense is fine, but at several different positions, right? You can put him left, you can put him right, you can put him at first, and he's not going to be a gold glove caliber defender at any of those spots, but he's also not going to be terrible. But he's, he's, he's not really adding a ton anywhere, but he's a good guy to have around. He's obviously a great clubhouse presence. And he it's unfortunately because his approach is something that you wish he could teach to every single guy in the Rockies lineup, right? His approach at the plate is the modern baseball approach that most often leads to the most success of, of being able to... Essentially, it sounds really, really simple, right? But of 
almost never swinging at pitches outside of the strike zone, only swinging at pitches that are inside of the strike zone, seeing a lot of pitches per plate appearance, and essentially waiting for a mistake or taking your walk, fouling off anything that's close. The the thing is, he just doesn't then come through with the big home run the way the you know players who make that really work most often do. And so, yeah, you know, I think there's still a spot for him on the bench as, uh, you know, a guy who can fill in if there's an injury or like I said, he's, you know, you can kind of move him around. So depending on the game, uh, you, you can get a good at bat out of him in a pinch hit appearance. Though, again, ideally, if you're going to send a guy out there for a pinch hit appearance, you you want him to be a little bit more of a threat to go yard. And so... I could see, depending on how certain other outfielders in the Rockies system are performing, if, you know, Joe ends up being an odd man out. And and I could see him being the second man on the bench, you know, right there with, I think, Montero. Again, as the roster is constructed, Montero is your first guy off the bench uh, because McMahon and Crone and Blackman are taking up third, first, and DH more often than not. I think you're going to get, you know, Montero in there to DH against tough lefties as Blackman sort of reaches the end of his career here. And he's the first guy off the bench if Blackman, Crone, or McMahon just need a day. Or again, tough lefty, maybe McMahon is is in a slump or something. You need the offense, you put him in at third. Uh, there's a few different ways that you can do that, right? So I think Montero's your, your kind of star bench player, if you will, which is something the Rockies haven't had in a long time. And honestly, you, you need, even still now with the DH, you need somebody who can be depth that you're actually excited about. And maybe Joe is the next guy, but you know, that that's all going to depend on, like I was saying, does Zach Veen make the opening day roster and force Daza onto the bench? And if that's the case, you know, then Daza and his ability to play all the outfield spots, you've got plenty of glut at the corner spots you may, you may not have a spot for Joe you know and a lot of this is gonna hopefully be a little bit ironed out over the off season the Rockies will make some moves and make it a little bit clearer who's gonna play what spot because it's really odd that for a team that won so few games and, and played so poorly throughout the season that they actually have a, a glut of position players in certain spot there's just not enough room for all of them to play and Joe may end up being uh, like I said earlier, the odd man out there. So we'll see what happens. But, um, you, you know, he didn't quite emerge in a, in a big, bad way, the way I think a lot of people were hoping this year. So you can't fault the Rockies as much as it's a really good feel-good story, as much as it still may work out for Joe. But he's you know on the other side of 30 now. I don't know how that goes. Uh, but, you know, if they end up saying, we, we think we can get a more productive outfielder in here, uh, or, or even have a more productive group of outfielders uh, that can hit some more home runs. And they have said many, many times that's one of their top priorities is hitting those home runs, getting more home run balls into the lineup. And uh, uh, I just don't know that that's going to happen for Joe. And that's really too bad. But on, on a personal basis, I do hope that he can stick around. Uh, he's obviously great to talk to in the clubhouse. I do think he's a great presence for the team. And he does have... Some valuable skills if if played in the right way. So, uh, yeah, those I think are some of the big questions, though. Essentially, that th- those questions were the ones that give us the lay of the land, right? The pitching is in a really weird and bad spot and needs to be addressed. This who is the leadoff man, center fielder of 
the next couple of years question is going to be a bit of a dominoes one that's going to affect a lot of different elements of the team. Who are these young prospects who are going to be ready is also the other big domino effect here. And what do they do at the bottom of the roster? Who are the guys who are going to end up cleared out? The Connor Joes, you know, if they go get a center fielder, what happens to Jonathan Daza? Uh, and, you know, then obviously all the pitching stuff. They, there's a whole lot of pitching stuff that needs to happen. The entire bullpen needs to be reworked and all of that. But those those are the questions, I think, that rightfully establish where we are moving forward. What are going to be some of the biggest questions facing the Colorado Rockies? And, you know, how they feel about a handful of key players. Zach Veen being a big one there. And they're kind of, for example, like you've, you're, you just have to be in on Tovar. It's going to work or it's not, but there aren't any other options there. You're running with Tovar, right? Kind of similar thing, but on the opposite end of the age spectrum, Chris Bryant, you're locked into. You've paid him the money. He's going to be your left fielder for the foreseeable future until either first base or DH opens up, but that's not going to be till after Cronin Blackman. So at least for next season, he's just your left fielder. As long as he's healthy, you know what you've got there, right? So those those things don't really change any of the formula. Like I said, I think they're going to be locked into. You've got Marquez, Freeland, Gomber in the, bol- or in the rotation and, and so on. But what happens there in center field? Can they get more home runs out of this lineup? Uh, on the offensive side and then do they try to get some pitchers with a little bit of shine on them or do they think they can go find some diamonds in the rough bring in a few guys that maybe have you turn in your head and going wait who him i don't know but then they come in and they they stabilize this thing a little bit and maybe give freeland and marquez and gomber i do think gomber again we'll get deeper into specific guys and gomber's one that needs a whole episode probably to himself but I think those guys can get back to leading a, a very competitive rotation. They've done it before. And when Sensatella comes back, that helps too. But they they got to find something. The magical, the magical answer. Who is that guy? Look for a minute like Chad Cool was going to be a stroke of genius. Then it ended up being a stroke of fair enough. <laughs> And and you take two or three more of those even, right? But that's where we are. I'll start getting a lot more specific. I'll go position by position and player by player over the offseason. But wanted to give a big overview in this first one. Uh, for more of that, go and check out milehighsports.com. I wrote up an article basically saying, here's the 25-man roster as it's set right now. And these are the spots that need to change. So go and check that out on milehighsports.com. Make sure you're checking out all of the other podcasts here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network and that you're uh, just continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.